Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Rander ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy. We must make a decision. We must make a decision to build a strong spiritual foundation upon which to nurture our children's spiritual lives. Parents cannot build a spiritual foundation for their children unless you go home and stay home long enough to build that foundation. You can't be a star everywhere else and strike out at home. You're on every board, every committee. You, you, you ain't all that. What does it profit you to gain all of that status, all of that notoriety, and your children have gone AWOL? Parents cannot build a spiritual foundation for their children unless they go home and take time to teach and nurture them. I love what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Fathers, if you're father, say what you want. Fathers, God is calling you to be the priest and spiritual covering over your wife and children. He's calling you. You're responsible. He's calling you to be the spiritual priest and covering over your wife and children, taking every opportunity to pray over them, to to, to teach them, to model Christ before your family to show them healthy affection. A lot of your daughters look for love in the wrong places because they don't see healthy affection in the home. And they seek it in the wrong way out there and they get abused in the world. This can only be done by not putting men, this can only be done, and women alike, by not putting your career and your personal pleasure over the responsibility to your family. That's right. Don't put your career, your, sometimes you want that next promotion and you want more money and you want to go here and you want to go there and you get that, but then they have less time with you. You got the money, but you're losing your job. Can't help them with the homework. They're stumbling. They, they're messing around. You don't know where they are. Latchkey kid. Oh, you got the money. You got the position. Ah, so what? Didn't take all that. Do you realize little becomes much when God is in it. Amen. Sometimes everything that glitters isn't gold. And sometimes the grass looks green on the other side. I'll take that job. I take it. It's green on the other side. And when you get to the other side, it wasn't green at all. It was artificial grass. <laughs> oh, my God. Make Parents, make a decision to bring your children to the house of God. So many of you have your children here. That's wonderful. Bring your, that's not an option. 
Never ask your children, do you want to go to church? What? 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 Do you want what you want to eat? And the other folk want food. What you going to cook? Food. Food. Edible food. <laughs> okay. Leftovers. You don't like it? Wait till the next round. <laughs> Make a decision to bring your children to the house of God and teach them how to worship God. They catch the vision of worship from you parents in the church. Your children should be spiritually developed through Sunday school, but how can they if you don't know your, your Sunday school teacher's name? You don't, you don't even know what the curriculum is in Sunday school. You're not there, but you insist that they make secular school a Christian school or wherever they're going. But you bypass Sunday school. You bypass youth ministry. You bypass, you know, you need help, parents. You, you can't do it all. You need other people speaking into your child's life, too. You need to get them engaged in church. There need to be a spiritual connection. I know you're tired. I know you got to drive. So what? Your children are worth it. You only have one time to raise your child. Bring them to youth ministry. Bring them to Morris Youth Retreats. Bring them to vacation Bible school. We have these kids up here uh, reciting their Christmas speeches and resurrection speeches on the programs, standing on stage. Where's your child? Parents, your children only have one childhood, and you only have one opportunity to invest in them. Your children are worth the spiritual investment, which will bring transformation to them. Prayerfully, they will affect the world for righteousness long after you're gone to heaven because you've invested in your child spiritually. Your children's spiritual foundation should be a priority over their extracurricular activities. Peewee ball, this ball, that ball, soccer ball, baseball, bat ball, cuckoo ball, ball, cheerleading, bowling, golf club, everything, everything under the sun. And they're having more of this stuff on Sunday. And all of a sudden, all of y'all out of church for the ball. You can't stand on a football. You can, I like what Coach Rackley said. You can kick a football. You can punt a football. You can throw a football. But you can't stand on it. But I know something you can stand on. You can stand on the authoritative word of the living God. Grass fade. The balls go. But the word of God lasts forever. And it's sadly most of your children having them more ball than Bible. What if they had more Bible, minimum ball? You would bring up spiritual giants to transform America, the likes of which we've not seen before. Wow. So, and then they'll bring transformation to other. Let's go to the next insight. Uh, a couple more and then we'll be done. Uh, we must make a decision. Make, we must be determined to make a decision not to be paralyzed by our pain. We must be determined as families to make a decision. This is a big one. 
not to be paralyzed by our pain. You and I will not get through this life without experiencing physical pain. And some of you under my voice, you're in physical pain. I was, I was in pain with my back over in Africa, just pain, just pain. You, you're going to have pain. There's emotional pain. There's sickness and disease. There's abusive pain, being misunderstood. People who have come into your life that you trusted that disappointed you greatly. You've been abandoned by that person you thought you can trust. That's painful. Injustice is painful. Perhaps it came from your mother, your father, your children. Perhaps that pain came from your siblings, your in-law. Perhaps pain came from co-workers, supervisors. Perhaps the pain came from a friend who has become now an enemy. And you trusted them and you told them some of the most confidential things during the good days. And now that you're an enemy, they're throwing your business all over the streets to get even. How hurtful. How hurtful. And then some of your greatest pain comes from not Christian folk, but church folk. There's a distinct difference between Christian folk and church folk. When Christians say something wrong, they'll ask for forgiveness and they'll make it right. But church folk will go home, eat fried chicken and go to sleep. (laughs) It was religious folk that put Jesus on the cross, you know. Everybody that comes to church, regrettably, is not saved. And the devil's attendance amidst God's people is greater than our own. As a matter of fact, he's here when we're not. And there are some church folk who will hurt you right on out the door. There are folk who stop going to church because of church folk. Mean folk. Conniving folk. Lying folk. Gossipy folk. No good folk. In the name of church. People have been hurt. You may have even experienced self-inflicted pain that you bring on yourself. You keep beating yourself up over and over, over past sins. You who are without sin, why don't you cast the first stone? All of us have sinned. All of us have done some regretful things. None of us have been that righteous where we've not done wrong in our past. And, and, and the Satan loves it when you beat yourself up over past sins. Foolish decisions. How many of you, so you're not by yourself. If y'all honest, raise your hand if you made a foolish decision or maybe decisions. Raise your, now look around. Hold, keep your hands up. You know, and, uh, see, we're in this together. We're in this together. All these hands up. There's a whole lot of decisions I wish I can get back. And you too. Stop beating yourself up over foolish decisions. Missed opportunities you can't get back. Being stuck in a perpetual rut. 
There's pain of betrayal, pain of hurtful words that you can't get back that you have said. You've said something even to this day you wish you could get it back. And you wonder to this day, how could I have said what I said and what on this side of heaven was I thinking? All of these can spiral you into depression and even suicidal thoughts. In conclusion, let me give you some words of healing now. It's so critical. Don't you move. Don't you move because I want to give you some spiritual um, uh, medicine. Thank you. To help you in the midst of pain and hurt and betrayal. Number one, pray to the Lord for your healing. Jeremiah 17, 14a says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. The Lord knows where your hurt is. The Lord knows your wounds. The Lord Lord knows your betrayal. The Lord knows your physical pain in your old age, your arthritis, your cancer. Your, your back pain, stomach issues, blood issues, high blood pressure, diabetes. The Lord knows your pain. Ask him for healing. Number two, serve, serving others keeps us from focusing on our own personal circumstances. When you begin to put the emphasis on others and not yourself, it lessens your own pain. In other words, as you minister to others, you will soon find that your situation is really not as bad as you think. You're talking about your foot hurt until you saw somebody that didn't have feet. Galatians 5, 13, 14 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Thirdly, uh, live in hope in spite of your pain. Live in hope in spite of a death of a loved one. In spite of the Lord taking your child and you wonder why. My wife and I lost a child last year, but we couldn't stop preaching. We couldn't stop living. We couldn't stop serving. It made us more determined. You all were looking at me to see how I would now live as I preached. You've heard me preach it, but now it's time for me to live it. Live in hope. If you fail to live in confident expectation that God will bring a breakthrough or deliverance, you will give up if you stop hoping. You need to live in hope. If you don't, you will fear and you will be distressed. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man, a woman who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, the pressure, the heat of the moment. You'll not fear, but its leaves will be green, lush, and will be, and will not be anxious in the year of drought when you begin to lack certain things. 
when the husband's not there. That drought comes in many forms. When the husband's not there, when the wife, the child, the brother, the sister, the, 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 the wayward child is not there. Abandonment, that's a drought. Nor cease yielding from yielding fruit. In other words, God wants you to keep being productive, keep bearing fruit. Don't go home, throw in the towel, sit down and get angry at God and do nothing. That's the worst thing you could do. And you're playing right into the devil's hand. Don't leave the church. Don't throw in the towel because life has thrown you an unexpected curve. Couple of more and we'll be done. Because of it, because adversity is inevitable in this life, it's inevitable. Don't be surprised when it comes. Now, I'm not saying go around looking for trouble. Don't, don't, don't look for it. It'll find you. But, but, but it's inevitable in this life. We must be, because it's inevitable, we must be willing to take the good in life as well as the bad in life. Who told you you're going to receive all good, no bad, or all bad and no good? Both will come. They are destined to come. I love what Job 2, 9 and 10 says. Then, then his wife, Mrs. Job, said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity, Job? He lost everything, including his health. Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we, I love this, underline it. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all these, Job did not sin with his lips. And some of you, that's your problem. When something go awry in your life, you start sinning with your lips. You start talking negative, talking ugly, being angry, throwing yourself an eternal pity party. And you start, you stop glorifying God and you start sinning with your lips. But Job, in the midst of his adversity, refused to sin with his lips. Number five, in the midst of pain, sufferings, hurts, and trials, we can be assured, we can be assured of that God's grace is sufficient. In the midst of pain, suffering, hurts, and trials, we can be assured that God's grace is sufficient for us. Oh, you got to write this scripture down. Second Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. That's in the midst of this pain. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's one of the most precious verses you can hold on to in the midst of adversity. When I am weak, then I am strong. What does that mean? That means that the power of Christ, the grace of Christ, and the glory of Christ is not revealed through our pride and human ability and self-exaltation. But rather, it is through our humility and weakness and trials that God is glorified as we shine for Christ and depend on the promises of God, 
even when we don't understand. It is through our weakness the power of Christ is put on display. It is through our weaknesses that we experience a greater measure of God's grace. It is through our weaknesses we, we experience a greater measure of God's strength to endure our trials. For the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10b, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, our strength in Christ is put on display through our weaknesses. Not in our pride. I got it together. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. You don't exalt Christ. It's in your weakness. When you can't do for yourself, when you know you, you, you're at wit's end, then God steps in and he reveals his strength and he helps you when you turn it over to Jesus. Like Paul, the Lord desires us in the midst of trials to have the right attitude and the right spiritual perspective. Don't get your attitude all screwed up and don't get a quirky spiritual perspective in the midst of our trials. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9b, therefore, most gladly, Look at the underline that most gladly say most say most gladly say, let's say it together most gladly I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's not saying I'm glad I'm sick. I'm glad. Oh God, I'm so glad I'm having a hard time. I don't know what to do. Oh, give me more hard time. That's crazy. He's not saying that. He said, as I look at Christ. And as I depend on Christ, as I anchor my soul in Christ in the midst of adversity, I will refuse to be angry. I will boast gladly in the God who will see me through. That's what he's saying. Finally, but not the least, in the midst of emotion, pain, disappointment, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who suffered to procure our salvation. So last point. We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who suffered to procure our salvation. On the cross, Jesus experienced excruciating, incomprehensible pain, and yet his first words from the cross in Luke 23, 34 was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Our Lord forgave those who put him on the cross and saved a dying thief who cried out for salvation while hanging on the cross. Beloved, refuse to say, I'm too hurt to forgive. I'm I'm in too much pain to forgive. Stop saying that because your pain does not compare to to the pain of our Lord on that cross. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the humiliation, in the midst of the scars and the wounds and the bleeding and the blood and the spikes, you're talking about in pain, Jesus was in unimaginable, excruciating, incomprehensible pain and in that pain he said father forgive them for they know not what they do he did it in pain stop saying you are in too much pain to forgive forgiveness is a choice You have to choose to forgive. 
But the question I pose to you in conclusion, do you want to be made whole? I've come to the conclusion that some folk love perpetual pain and sickness. Want to be made whole? Turn your eyes to Jesus and let him heal your wounds and ease your troubled hearts. And all God's children said, amen. God bless you. And Father, we thank you for this word and we thank you for this message. We thank you for family day and you brought the people here and I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, they not move right now because it's such a critical moment. Heaven is saying it's time for people to come to Jesus while all hell is saying, I'm going to progress. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to move people to walk out. I'm going to make people a distraction. Not only will I distract, but I'll cause other distractions through my movement. I pray in the name of Jesus for the significance of this moment, that people be still and make a decision to come to Jesus now. Brothers and sisters, I preach my heart out to you for the sake of Christ. We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things he says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to Him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas or call us at 210-821-5683.